This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll One of the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov's Hasidim, Matel, was very poor. And even though he had a daughter that was of age to get married, he didn't have any money to marry her off. And so time passed, one year and another year, and Matel didn't know what to do. But he figured when the time was right, Hashem would send the money. And the Baal Shem Tov, of course, knew what was going on with his Hasid. And he went to two of his other Hasidim. And he said, I want you to go around and collect 200 rubles so that we can help Matul marry off his daughter. And I want you to take the money and go to a certain town. He told the Hasidim where to go. And he said, you're going to find two young men there that are good matches for Matul's daughter. And I will trust you to pick which one is the better match. When you figure out who he is, you give him the 200 rubles as a dowry. So the Hasidim took the money. They traveled to the town that the Heidegabal Shem Tov told them and went and interviewed these two young men. Both of them were fine young men. One was from a wealthier family. One was a better scholar. One had better midot, had better character traits. The other one was a little better looking. In the end, they decided on one of the two young men and went to his family and said, we're here from our Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, and we'd like to offer you our friend Matul's daughter to marry your son. And as you know, I'm sure, my sweetest friends, that in those days, this is how marriages were made. And so the parents of the son asked about Matul's family. And the two Hasidim, knowing that Matul was very poor, they didn't want to say anything about that. They just only said good things. Ah, the family, they're a very good family. Many children and such good quality children. And this is his oldest daughter. And she raised the other kids and she knows how to run a family and how to cook and how to sew. And she even knows some Torah. And then they presented the 200 rubles. They say, here, we have a dowry from the family. So the parents, they say to their son, what do you think? And he says, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. And so the father of the groom, he had bought a special necklace and bracelet that he was going to give to the bride whenever the day came. And he gives it to the Hasidim and he says, this is for the Kala. This is for the bride. I want you to give it to the father of the bride and tell him that I'm waiting for a similar gift for my son. And so the two Hasidim came back. And they knock on the door of Reb Matul. And they say, Matul, Mazatov. And he says, really, what's going on? One of you guys have a kid that got engaged? And he said, no, your daughter got engaged. He said, really? My daughter got engaged and nobody told me? They said, yeah, the Rebbe took care of it. He told us to collect 200 rubles. We should go to a certain town. He trusted us to pick the right chatan for your daughter. He's really a fine boy from a very good family. Bright. Looks good. And here, the family sent a necklace and a bracelet for your daughter as a gift for the engagement. And he said that he's expecting a similar gift from you. So mazel tov, matol, mazel tov. And the two chassidim left. Matol turns to his wife and he says, what are we going to do? We don't have any money. It's the reason that our daughter hasn't gotten married. The jewelry that he gave us must be worth 500 rubles. How can I possibly come up with a similar sum? What am I supposed to do? So he waited a couple of days. He davened, said to Hillem, was hoping that his salvation would come from somewhere. And not knowing what to do, Matul wrote a note to the Chatan's family. 
telling them that the gift is on its way, and I promise you it's coming. And then he right away went to his Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov. He said, Rebbe, thank you so much for helping us out with finding a, a shidduch for our daughter, and even for collecting the 200 rubles. But Rebbe, now I'm expected to give a similar gift back to the family worth at least 500 rubles. And we don't even have food at home. I can't come up with a sum like that. And the Baal Shem Tov, he listened to Matal and he said, Matal, do you really think that I would make a shidduch for you just to stress you out? And Matal says, I don't know, maybe. The Baal Shem Tov says, no, of course not. All you have to do is trust in Hashem and everything will be fine. And Matal said, but I was trusting in Hashem and everything is not fine. The Baal Shem Tov said, trust me, my friend. Everything is going to work out, I promise you. And so Matal went back home and took a few days to get the Baal Shem Tov and a few days to get back home. And by the time he got home, there was a letter waiting for him from the groom's family, from the family of the Chatan. And the letter said, we didn't receive an equivalent gift from you yet. And we're wondering, what's going on over there? Mato was a little stressed. He says to his wife, what are we supposed to do? Here, the Baal Shem Tov tells me to trust in Hashem and everything will be fine. I'm trusting in Hashem and everything is not fine. The pressure is building. What am I supposed to do? And so Mato's wife says, Go back to the Rebbe and tell him that things are not working out and we need help. So Matal travels back to the Heilig Baal Shem Tov. And as soon as he comes into the Baal Shem Tov's room, the Baal Shem Tov can see the worry on Matal's face. And he says to Matal, didn't I tell you not to worry? Didn't I tell you to put your trust in Hashem and that everything will work out? And Matal said, yes, but Rebbe, I got a letter from the family. And they're wondering what's going on because I haven't sent them a gift yet. And I really want my daughter to get married. And this is all stressing me out a little too much, Rebbe. And the Baal Shem Tov put his hand on Matal's shoulder. He said, Matal, this is when it really counts. You know, having faith in Hashem when things are going well, that's very nice. But having faith in Hashem when you're stressed out of your mind, that is the whole point of having trust in Hashem. You have to be on a very high level to have millions of rubles and still feel like you're trusting in Hashem. But here Hashem gave you the gift of poverty. He made you so poor, you had no one else to turn to, and no other place to go. So why don't you listen to me? I promise you, one day you'll look back at this moment and you'll wish that you really had the amuna and bitachon, the faith in Hashem that you should have. With that, Matal got a little chizuk, encouragement, and he went back home. When he comes back home, there's another letter waiting for him from the family of the Chatan. And it says, Shalom Aleichem, sweetest family. Just so you know, we're coming to your city in two weeks to meet the Kala. Please prepare for us a place to stay and meals. And we're looking forward to the two families getting together. Matal looks at the letter and he says, in two weeks, two weeks, I still don't have the 500 rubles. Where am I going to give them a place to stay and to provide for food for them as well? We don't even have enough food in this house to feed my family. Now I'm supposed to feed the groom's family and all of their guests? He looks at his wife and she doesn't even need to say anything. He gets it right away. He says, wife, I'm going to the Baal Shem Tov. Can't take this anymore. And when he gets to the Beit Midrash of the Baal Shem Tov, just as he's standing outside, one of his friends who was in Mezhibuz and knew the situation that Matal was in, they see a beautiful carriage with eight horses parked outside the Beit Midrash. Matal's friend says to him, Hey, there's your help right there. Matal was like, Leave me alone. I don't have time for your stupid jokes. I'm under a lot of stress. And the moment that Matal entered the Rebbe's room, 
the passenger in the carriage with the eight horses came in at the same exact time. Matel's looking at this other guy, and the wealthy guy's looking at Matel, and the Baal Shem Tov tells the Gabai, close the door. And the three of them are in the room of the Hedegah Baal Shem Tov. And the Baal Shem Tov ignored the wealthy Jew who had come in the carriage with eight horses and only spoke with Matel. And of course the Baal Shem Tov knew what Matel was there for. He says to Matel, you don't have to say anything. I've given you all the encouragement that I could. I told you to have faith in Hashem and to just listen to me. So apparently now you need to hear a story. And I'm going to share a story with you. He said one day there was a merchant whose name was Sender. And he lived in Lublin. And he was very successful. And one time, he made a business trip and bought a lot of very expensive merchandise for a very cheap price. And he knew that he could sell it for an absolute fortune. And two of his employees, his bookkeeper and his secretary, who had come along with the trip, they were jealous of Sender. They were tired of not getting paid enough. They decided that they were going to kill him. When they were in the middle of the forest, they attacked the driver, tied him to a tree, and then took Sender and tied him to another tree. And they said, Sender, this is it. We're stealing all of your money and taking all of your merchandise. And Sender said, no problem. Okay, just spare my life, please. For the sake of my wife and children, you can have all my money, but just spare my life. And the two thieves, his former employees, they said, spare your life. If we spare your life, you're going to go to the police and get us arrested. Huh, no chance. Sender, you're not leaving this forest alive. So Sender says, can you give me five minutes to say vidui, to say my final confession before I leave this world? And so the two thieves, they agreed. And Sender is standing there tied to a tree and he cries from the deepest depths of his heart. He says, Hashem, please spare my life. I promise you, Hashem, if you save me, I will give one quarter of my fortune to the poor members of my family and another quarter to a needy cause, to tzedakah. I promise you, Hashem, please. And at that moment, he heard hoofbeats. He heard horses coming. As soon as the two employees that were going to kill Sender heard horses coming, they fled for their lives. And who was there? A nobleman with his servants. He said he was in the forest, and he noticed an abandoned wagon loaded with very expensive merchandise. And he understood that something was wrong here. Nobody leaves that much money in the middle of the forest. So he and his servants, they flew ahead to figure out what, what was going on. And of course, they freed Sender. And two of his servants escorted Sender and his merchandise back home. And when Sender got back home and was reunited with his family, he called in a different bookkeeper after, of course, reporting the last one and his secretary to the police. And he said, go over all of my assets. And tell me, how much is half of my fortune? And Sender was very surprised to find out that he had a lot more money than he ever imagined. And giving away half of that might bankrupt him. He'd have to sell homes and artwork and jewelry. And so he decided that he would pay it over many years. Instead, kind of an installment plan. I mean, who was actually paying attention? It was just a deal that he made between Hashem and himself. And only a few weeks later, Sender's wife became ill. She went to the doctors. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. So Sender went and hired the top doctor in Lublin, but he couldn't figure it out either. He sent her to another specialist, and another one, and another one. And for a long time, Sender and his wife were going from specialist to specialist, but no doctor could figure out why she was sick. And finally, Sender's wife said to him, Go to the Baal Shem Tov. 
and see if he can help. And so the Baal Shem Tov now turns to the wealthy Jew that was standing there the whole time. And he says, tell me, Sender, how much money have you spent on doctors since your wife became ill? And Sender was so shocked, he couldn't even speak. So the Baal Shem Tov says, tell me, isn't it more than a quarter of your fortune, the amount of money that you had promised to give to the poor? And Sender just nodded his head. The Baal Shem Tov said, you made a pledge that you would give one quarter to your family and one quarter to needy Jews. So my chassid over here, Mato, needs to marry off his daughter, and he's going to have a lot of expenses for that wedding. If you promise right here on the spot to give over one quarter of your fortune, I promise you that your wife's health will be fully restored. And without saying a word, Sender takes out this large sack of coins, gold coins, and pours them on the table. And then he goes to his carriage and comes back with a treasure chest of gold coins and opens them up. Between them all, it was 3,000 gold coins worth around 25,000 rubles. Much more money than Matul ever imagined. And the Baal Shem Tov hands it to Matul. He says, Mazel Tov, I told you I had nothing to worry about. And Matul is completely in shock. Takes the money, says Rebbe. I never should have doubted you. What you told me before, that one day I would look back and wish that I had the Amuna, wish that I truly had the faith in Hashem, and that I trusted in you, Rebbe, that things would actually work out. You were right, Rebbe. Next time, I'll know. And the Baal Shem Tov turns to Sender, and he says, Mazel Tov to you as well, because when you get home, you'll see that your wife's health has been completely restored. And even though you spent a quarter of your fortune right now on Matal, and another quarter trying to heal your wife, you still owe a quarter to the poor members of your family. When you go back, you will sell what you need to in order to pay back that debt from the promise that you made to Hashem. And I promise you, when you do that, Hashem will pay you back a hundred times more. So you see, my sweetest friends, we all have hard times. And when we ask, where is my help going to come from? My help will only come from Hashem, who creates the heavens and the earth. Have the Amuna now, because I promise you that in one way or another, even if it's not the way that you planned, things will work out. So you can already be joyous, even when you're suffering. Because the only reason that Hashem brings a person down is to bring them up higher in the end. My good job is good job is good I have one more short story for you, my sweetest friends. Reb Moshe Lev of Sasov once had the opportunity to pay for the wedding of a young couple who didn't have any family. Their parents were gone. They had no relatives that had any money that could help them. And when the Chatan and Kala walked to the Chupa, it was Reb Moshe Lev of Sasov and his Rebbetzin who escorted them. And as they were walking to the Chupa, of course there was a band that was playing music. <laughs> 
Shaleb enjoyed the music so much, he said to the people that were standing on the side of the chuppah, If only when the day comes that I leave this world, I could be buried with the same melody that's being played now as we bring the Chatan and Kala to the chuppah. And many years passed, and on the 4th of Shvat in 1807, Reb Moshe Lev of Sasov passed away. And as his body was being brought to be buried in the cemetery, on the same day, at the same time, there was a band of musicians that was on their way to play at a wedding in a nearby town. And instead of going to the town where they were supposed to be for the wedding, their horses suddenly began to go in a different direction. And the members of the band are hitting the horses and trying to get them to turn, but they could not be turned. They continued driving the wagon with the band in it, far from where the wedding was, until they reached the cemetery of Sasov where there were thousands of people attending the funeral of the great tzaddik Reb Moshe Leib And the musicians, realizing that there were so many people at the funeral, they figured this must be the funeral of a great tzaddik. And they asked who it was. When they heard the name Reb Moshe Leib, they remembered that they had played at a wedding that he had paid for many years before. And that they had heard themselves that Reb Moshe Leib wished that he would have this band play the melody that was played under the chuppah at his funeral. And so they went to the Heber Kedisha and they told them the story that Reb Moshe Leib asked that this melody be played at his funeral. They consulted with the rabbi and the family and the family agreed. And so thousands of people stood there in silence as the musicians played the wedding dance at the funeral of Reb Moshe Leib Sasov just like he had asked for all those years before. You know, there's so many stories of tzaddikim in the world to come. Of course, we don't play music at funerals because it's against halacha for the mourners. People are sad. But the tzaddik, like Reb Moshe Leib, when he asked that wedding music be played at his funeral, I'm sure it was like hearing Kol Nidre on Yom Kippur, mixing the bitter with the sweet, Reminding us all that even though the great tzaddik had passed away, the clouds will eventually part and the sun will come up.
Thank you so much for listening as always. I want to thank Rebitz and Jacqueline for her kind contribution to the podcast and send out a big Shalom Aleichem to her children, Avi, Bo, Tori, and Shua. Thank you so much for listening and for caring enough to send in a contribution and to contact me. I really appreciate it. And you, my sweetest friends, remember to keep on sharing, keep on listening. Thank you to all the subscribers, wherever you're subscribing. And of course, to all of the contributors. All of your contributions make such a difference. And I'm incredibly grateful to you for that. If you'd like to become a contributor, my friends, just go to my website, HasidicStory.com. And until then, may you have a week filled with joy, emuna, and Hasidic stories. Zai gesund, my sweetest friends. Until next week, Zai gesund.